0: Part 2 Chapter 4 The Magnificent Adventure by Emerson Hogue This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Crossroads of the West The geese were now indeed flying down the river coming in long, dark lines out of the icy north. Sometimes the sky was overcast hours at a stretch. A new note came into the voice of the wind. The nights grew colder. Autumn was at hand. Soon it would be winter, winter on the plains. It was late in October, more than five months out from St. Louis, when Mr. Jefferson's Volunteers for the Discovery of the West arrived in the Mandan country. Long ago, war and disease wiped out the gentle Mandan people. Today, two cities stand where their green fields once showed the first broken soil north of the Platte River. But a century ago, that region although little known to our government at Washington, was not unknown to others. The Mandan villages lay at a great wilderness crossroads, or rather at the apex of a triangle, beyond which none had gone. Hereabout the Seor de la Venendri had crossed on his own journey of explorations two generations earlier. More lately, the emissaries of the great British companies, although privately warring with one another, had pushed west over the Azimbal. Traders had been among the Mandans now for a decade. Thus far came the western trail from Canada, and halted. The path of the Missouri also led thus far, but here, at the intersection, ended all the trails of trading or traveling white men. Therefore, Lewis and Clark found white men located here before them. McCracken, an Irishman, Jazuma, a Frenchman, Henderson, an Englishman, La Rougue, another Frenchman, all over from the Azimbal country, and all, it hardly need be said, "'excited and anxious over this wholly unexpected arrival "'of white strangers in their own trading limits. "'Big White, chief of the Mandans, "'welcomed the new party as friends, "'for he was quick to grasp the advantage "'the white men's goods gave his people "'over the neighboring tribes, "'and also quick to understand the virtue of competition. "'Brothers,' said he, you have come for our beaver and our robes. As for us, we want powder and ball and more iron hatchets and knives. We have traded with the Azimbal, who are foolish people, and have taken all their goods away from them. We have killed the Rees until we are tired of killing them. "'The Sioux will not trouble us if we have plenty of powder and ball. "'We know that you have come to trade with us. "'See, the snow is here. "'Light your lodge fires with the Mandans. "'Stay here until the grass comes once more.' "'We open our ears to what Big White has said,' replied Lewis. Speaking through Jujemais, the Frenchman, who soon was added as interpreter to the party. "'We are the children of a great father in the East, who gives you this medal with his picture on it. He sends you this coat, this hat of a chief. He gives you this hatchet, this case of tobacco. There are other hatchets and more tobacco for your people.' "'What great father is that?' demanded Big White. "'It seems there are many great fathers in these days. "'Who are you strangers who come from so far?' "'You yourself shall judge, Big White. "'When the geese fly up the river and the grass is green, "'our great boat here is going back down the river.' THE GREAT FATHER IS CURIOUS TO KNOW HIS CHILDREN, THE MANDANS. IF YOU, BIG WHITE, WISH TO GO SEE HIM WHEN THE GRASS IS GREEN, YOU SHALL SIT YONDER IN THAT BOAT AND GO ALL THE WAY WITH SOME OF MY MEN. YOU SHALL SHAKE HIS HAND. WHEN YOU COME BACK, YOU CAN TELL THE STORY TO YOUR OWN PEOPLE. THEN ALL THE TRIBES WILL CEASE TO WAGE WAR. Your women, once more, may take off their moccasins at night when they sleep. It is good, said the Mandan. Ah, ye, come and stay with us until the grass is green, and I will make medicine over what you say. We will open our lodges to you, and will not harm you. Our young women will carry you corn which they have saved for the winter. Our squaws will feed your horses. Go no farther, for the snow and ice are coming fast. Even the buffalo will be thin, and the elk will grow so lean that they will not be good to eat. This is as far as the white men ever come when the grass is green. Beyond this, no man knows the trail. When the grass is green, said Lewis, I shall lead my young men toward the setting sun. We shall make new trails. Jujame, McCracken, and all the others held their own council with the leaders of the expedition. What are you doing here? they demanded. The Missouri has always belonged to the British traders. The face of Meriwether Lewis flushed with anger. We are about the business of our government, he said. It is our purpose to discover the West beyond here, all of it. It is our own country that we are discovering. We have bought it and paid for it, and will hold it. We carry the news of the Great Purchase to the natives." "'Purchase? What purchase?' demanded McCracken. And then the face of Lewis lightened, for he knew that they had outrun all the news of the world. "'The Louisiana Purchase?' THE PURCHASE OF ALL THIS WESTERN COUNTRY FROM THE MISSISSIPPI TO THE PACIFIC ACROSS THE STONY MOUNTAINS. WE BOUGHT IT FROM NAPOLEON, WHO HAD IT FROM SPAIN. WE ARE THE WEDGE TO SPLIT THE BRITISH FROM THE SOUTH. THE MISSOURI IS OUR OWN PATHWAY INTO OUR OWN COUNTRY. THAT IS OUR BUSINESS HERE. YOU MUST GO BACK, SAID THE HOT-HEADED Irishman. "'I shall tell me factor, chapoles at Fort Assenbon. "'We want no more traders here. "'This is our country.' "'We do not come to trade,' said Merryweather Lewis. "'We play a larger game. "'I know that the men of the Northwest Company have found the Arctic Ocean. "'You are welcome to it until we want it. "'We do not want it now.' I know you have found the Pacific somewhere above the Columbia. We do not want what we have not bought or found for ourselves, and you are welcome to that. But when you ask us to turn back on our own trail, it is a different matter. We are on our own soil now, and we will not turn for any order in the world but that of the President of the United States mccracken irritated turned away from the talk it is a fine fairy tale they tell us said he to his fellows drullard came a moment later to his chief those men she'll take her dog team for assenbone now maybe so one hundred and fifty miles that way he'll told his factor now on the assenbone post Lewis smiled Tell him to take this letter to his factor. Drillard, said he. It is a passport given me by Mr. Thompson, representing Mr. Mary of the British Legation at Washington. I have fifty other passports, better ones, each good at a hundred yards. If Mr. Chebolet wishes to find us, he can do so. If we have gone, let him come after us in the spring. My faith, says Jujumet, the Frenchman, you come a long way. Why you want to go more farther west? But listen, Monsieur Capitaine, the Englishman, he'll go to make trouble for you. He is going for send word to Roger Blavé, the most boss trader on Lake Superior, on Fort William. They are going for send a man to beat you over the mountain. I know. "'Tis a long road from here to the middle of Lake Superior's North Shore," said Merryweather Lewis. "'It will be a long way back from there in the spring. While they are planning to start, already we shall be on our way.'" "'I know the man they'll send,' went on Jujumet. "'Simon Fraser, I know him. Long time he'll want to go up the Saskatchewan and over the mountain on the ocean. We'll race Mr. Fraser to the ocean, said Meriwether Lewis. Him or any other man. While he plans, we shall be on our way. Well enough. The northern traders knew the meaning of this American expedition into the west. If it went on, all the lower trade was lost to Great Britain forever. The British minister, Mary, had known it. Aaron Burr had known it this expedition must be stopped that was the word which must go back to montreal back to london along the trail which ended here at the crossroads of the missouri the red-headed young man is not so bad said one of the white news-bearers at the assenbone post he is willing to parley and he seems disposed to be amiable but the other the one named Lewis. I can do nothing with him. For some reason he seems to be hostile to the British interests. He speaks well and is a man of presence and education, but he is bitter against us and I cannot handle him. We must use force to stop that man. Agree then, said his master, laughing lustily, for safe in his own sanctuary he had not seen these men himself we shall use force as we have before we will excite the savages against them this winter if they will listen to us and turn back in the spring all of them not part of them very well if they will not listen to reason then we shall use such means as we need to stop them of this conversation the two young american officers one of virginia the other of Kentucky knew nothing at all, but they held counsel of their own, as was their fashion, a council of two, sitting by their campfire, and while others talked, they acted. Before November was a week old, the axes were ringing among the cottonwoods. The men were carrying big logs toward the cleared space shown to them and while Meriwether Lewis worked at his journal and his scientific records, William Clark, born soldier and born engineer, was going forward with his little fortress. Trenches were cut, the logs were ended up, taller pickets than any one of that country ever had seen before. A double row of cabins was built inside the stockade a great gate was furnished, proof against assault. A bastion was erected in one corner, mounting the swivel piece so that it might be fired above the top of the wall. A little more work of chinking the walls, of flooring the cabins, of making chimneys of wattle and clay, and presto! Before the winter had well settled down, the white explorers were housed and fortified and ready for what might come the Mandan sat and watched them in wonder jugemet the french trader shook his head in all his experience on the trail he had seen nothing savoring quite so much of preparedness and celerity among all the posts to the northward and eastward the word went out carried by dog runners they have built a great house of tall logs said the indians they have put the thing that thunders on top of the wall they never sleep each day they exercise with their rifles under their arms they have long knives on their belts they carry hatchets that are sharp enough to shave bark their medicine is strong they write down the words of the Mandans and the Menetarees in their books. They are taking skins of the antelope and the bighorn and the deer, even skins of the prairie grouse and the badger and the prairie dog, everything they can get. They dry these to make some sort of medicine of them. They cut off pieces of wood and bark. They put the dirt which burns in little sacks they make pictures and make the talking papers all the time they work at something the two chiefs they have a black man with them who cannot be washed white they have stained him with some medicine of their own he makes sounds like a buffalo and he says that the white man made him as he is and will do us that way we would like to kill them but they have made their house too strong they never sleep in the daytime and in the nighttime no matter how cold it is one man two men walk up and down inside the wall they have carried their boats up out of the water two boats a great one and two small all through the woods they are cutting down the largest trees and out of the straight logs they are making more boats, more boats, as many as there are fingers on one hand. They have axes that cast much larger ships than any we ever saw. We fear these men because they do not fear us. We do not know what to think. They are men who never sleep before the sun is up we find them writing or making large chips with their axes or hunting in the woods not a day goes by that their hunters do not bring in elk and deer and buffalo they do not fear us we have seen no men like these they are chiefs and their medicine is strong End of part two, chapter four.